There's also, though, some comfort in this verse, isn't there? That when things go tragic, I mean, when the Christian has a rough time in this life, or when everything seems to be falling apart at the seams, we say, yes, this is what it means to follow Jesus. In other words, suffering, the Holy Cross, is one of the marks of the church, which is uh, laid on uh, Christians by Jesus. And, of course, we receive this cross as a gift from him. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigland. I've got a great show in store for you for Table Talk Radio today. We have, uh, we're going to respond to the listeners of Table Talk Radio through your emails and your phone or your emails and your forum posts. Also, it's really nice to actually be able to say listeners instead of listener. That's you know, right. We've, we've oh, moved up in the world. Oh, that's, instead of just that's one, right. One. Uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller is here too. <laughs> I, I have Hello, Evan. I, I have a new introduction for you. You ready? Yes. My co-host for Table Talk Radio is Brian Wolfmuller. That's the in-studio Table Talk Radio band. <laughs> I feel like I'm ready to host a late-night talk show now. I know, yeah, that was... <laughs> See, I, I set you up and you didn't catch it. I, I started out the show just talking. I didn't introduce you. You didn't even stop me. You didn't even care. Yeah, so, I thought you might do the whole show by yourself. I just took a little nap. <laughs> well, as I was saying, we we're going to be responding to our <laughs> listeners, and uh, we do have more than one now. And uh, then we're going to play Law and or Gospel, and then we're going to be talking about uh, my spring break. So, hey, why not? Um, why not? I actually... What do crazy seminarians do on their spring break? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, a few of us go to Madagascar, so that's when we're talking about the last segment of the program. So let's take a look at our listeners' uh, emails and forums. I'm going to go to the forum first. We'll flip back and forth between forum and... and uh, uh, emails and stuff but um this this one comes in late uh on our our baptism edition of table talk radio which is show number 30 and we had an interesting question come up in our forum the question is hypothetical what if someone was dying after an accident would it be okay to baptize them if they were unconscious uh, and you came across the person, and you didn't, and you didn't know if they were baptized or not. There's some details missing here, but I think generally our response would be no. Uh, um, th- that uh, um, th- that someone who's unconscious and, and therefore can't ask for the gift of baptism is in the Lord's hands, and we trust that. Uh, and and adults, we we don't baptize adults against their will. Uh, in fact, we don't even baptize children against their will. We just 
um, a trust that the Lord has worked in them, a will that's rejoicing in the gift of baptism. But uh, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and then uh, uh, and then normally in an adult it follows. We don't want to treat baptism like some sort of magic sort of thing, uh, like it's magic water that you can put on some something and uh, and uh, and it can change them. So uh, generally, the uh, without any other information, the the answer to that would be no. We wouldn't baptize someone uh, who was unconscious. Yeah, he he follows that with saying, uh, he said, I I mean, if Hitler were dying, it might not be the first thing for me uh, that would occur to me, but he wanted to know the preconditions. So uh, you're right. I I, I think that would would, uh, get in the way. Um, another... I, there was one time we, I came across an accident where a guy had broken his back. Did I tell, did I tell you about that? It was no. at the seminary, right at the apartments across from the seminary, and I was visiting with a friend of mine in the parking lot, and we heard this, and this guy on a motorcycle crashed into a tree. Oh. And we ran over to him, and we kind of assessed his condition and called 911, and, and the first question we asked was, are you baptized? And we stayed, he was, and we stayed with him and, and, and prayed and tried to do what we could to comfort him until the paramedics got there, and then... Went and visited a, a number of times in the hospital after that to speak the Lord's word of comfort, uh, but he was he was going to be paralyzed for life. This fellow, uh, he was like 19 years old, and boy, boy, yeah, that's oof, tough. All right, well, uh, we have another email from Michelle in Kansas, um, and she informs us that uh, she's at Grace Lutheran Church in McPherson, Kansas. And she has counted at least eight listeners at Grace Lutheran Church. So she's informing you to upgrade our listenership to at least nine. <laughs> That's right. My dad and those guys, eight guys from Kansas. <laughs> and then also, I'm going to be going out to Grace Lutheran Church first in Kansas. I'm giving my presentation uh, on my trip to Madagascar. Uh, Palm Sunday, I'm doing that presentation. So if you're in the Kansas area, do visit that. But she she's requesting that I bring um, a, a, a Let's see, 100,000 Table Talk Radio points for each listener, which would be a total of 800,000 Table Talk Radio points. Um, I'm, w- I'm worried about hyperinflation with these points. <laughs> well, you can't just print too many, too many points because they lose their value. Well, I, I kind of promised that I'd give these bonuses out. I, I mean, I, I know that <laughs> just like the – I mean, it's kind of like the AIG executives. Uh, I, I've already <laughs> promised them, so I, I can't go back on my word now. Yeah, that's right. Well, look at uh, – uh, if I think was the rate was a uh, one donated dollar for one table talk radio point, so uh, that's you should come out of there oh, looking boy. pretty good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, she recommends uh, hiring an armored vehicle for the for this travel. So, with, uh, <laughs> I got a I got a letter like that, and I can't believe I forgot to bring it with me this morning. I have to read it next time. But I got a T-shirt in the mail from a gentleman in uh, uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it said Iron Preacher, and it had my face on there. And nice. he apparently handed one out to a. Uh, 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 to Todd Wilkin and Chris Rosebra at the Brothers of John the Steadfast conference, and, uh, and thanks for this shirt. This is fantastic. I I, I love it. Uh, the the funniest line in the whole letter was something like this: I love to listen to fast-paced, entertaining, and theologically astute radio, and I also like to like to listen to table talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh boy. Um, we got the uh, we got the uh, the <laughs> listeners with the best sense of humor. I'll tell you. That's right. Um, do you remember remember Mike um, that sent sent in that very flattering email about the indulgences? You remember that one? Yes, I do. That I one. Do. I'm sure you remember it well. It's one of your, like your favorite email that's ever come in for a, a the, the most astute uh, defender, oh, that was uh, champion terrible. defender of orthodoxy. That was right. what he called me. Right. Well, he why says, haven't you? But you were supposed to introduce me that way <laughs> in these shows. What's what? going on? What do you mean? I, I got this one. Brian Wolfmuller. 
Oh, man. So anyway, uh, Mike, Mike, uh, at the time I weren't sure where Mike was from and he's from Texas, but he is also for, uh, serving our country in Iraq in the, in the army. So we think, thank you for your service. Yeah, we appreciate that. Um, he, he gives us some, some more things. Um, I'll, I'll just read this part. Um, I do take issue with a few comments made by the stalwart defender of truth of the true faith of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, pastor Wolf Mueller. And I have a few things to add to the discussion. I'll, I'll maybe hit this first one, and we need to probably hit a break pretty soon. He said that I was referring to the medieval system of penance, where you could go and if you got an indulgence, some of the treasury of merit would be applied to the account of your loved ones in purgatory. This is, of course, true, but it almost implies that it was a system of penance for Rome rather than the fact that it remains a system of penance of Rome now and probably for a long time to come. Pastor, do you have a response for that? Yeah, I just uh, flipped open my Catholic catechism to question uh, or paragraph uh, 1471. What is an indulgence? Um, The the doctrine and practice of indulgences in the Church are closely linked to the effects of the sacrament of penance, and it goes on for a number of pages uh, to list the practice of indulgences. So this is true, uh, that uh, indulgences are still a major part of the um, of the Catholic tradition and dogma even to this day. In fact, I think I remember in in the millennium, uh, didn't the Pope John Paul there give uh, an indulgence for anyone who who was stopped smoking for the year? You there was the really if you stop smoking, you get an indulgence. This sort of thing. Um, but this is uh, this is all part of the of the Catholic system still. So the, uh, Mike is right that. Um, uh, that it is would be inappropriate to assume that the that the Roman Catholic doctrine of indulgences was ancient and not modern. So we stand uh, corrected. That's right. Or I do, anyways. Yeah, I'm, don't bring me down with you. That was you. <laughs> <laughs> You're already down with me. <laughs> We're well, linked in on this thing together. Mike Mike has a few other comments on his email. Uh, sorry, we don't have time to get all these, but uh, very he's he's. Uh, uh, very very interesting emails concerning uh, relating table talk radio um, enjoyment with the uh, the Roman Catholic system of penance. So very very <laughs> clever, very clever. Um, we got another one. Let me see how much time we have. Oh, we better hit a, our commercial break. Don't worry, we have more emails and forum entries on table talk radio from you, our listeners. But don't forget about our voicemail system. It's eight six six eight five one. Five five two three. By the way, Pastor, I got those prank calls you did this week on that. <laughs> I spotted your voice like <laughs> I really hate table talk radio. You All guys right. should be shut down. <laughs> we need to go to a break. We'll be right back with more table talk radio with Evan and Brian Wolfmuller. Oh, Oh, the band just died. <laughs> oh. oh, anyway. All right, we'll be right back with more Table Talk Radio right after this. Uh. 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio, Serious Theology, Seriously Bad Hosts. Hey guys, it's Evan Gigline. During my recent spring break, I had the opportunity to visit Madagascar with five other seminarians. We were able to see how the Malagasy Lutheran Church cares for people of both body and soul. I had been invited by Grace Lutheran Church McPherson, Kansas to give a presentation on my trip for their mission festival. This will take place Palm Sunday. If you're listening in the Kansas area, I'd like to extend the invitation to you. Visit Grace Lutheran Church in McPherson, Kansas, Palm Sunday. The divine service begins at 1030, and after a potluck meal, begin our presentation. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, talking about your emails and forum entries. We're going to go to an email from Aaron in Chicago next. He was uh, listening to a, a recent show where we did some praise song crunching. One cruncher, of, cruncher, <laughs> cruncher. <laughs> um, he said, Pastor Wolfmuller's comments regarding the sermon ending in a question, Jesus died for you, now what are you going to do? Remember that? Um, I do. He, he yeah. said, it reminds me of the hymn, the TLH hymn, I Gave My Life for Thee. Uh, which is 405. He said, 405, okay. So he wants us to run this one through the praise song cruncher, and then we'll uh, do a few more after this, too. So, uh, hand number 405. How do you think this song would fare in the praise song cruncher? Um, I gave my life for thee. I've never sung this song before, and uh, as I look at it, I don't think I ever will. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou mightst. Uh, mightst ransom be and quicken from the dead. I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? Oh. Th- this is just the s- sort of thing I'm talking about, and this is right. This, this, um, you know, this whole little consecration section in TLH is a little bit suspect in my mind. I mean, I love this old hymn. I really do. I love it. But you have to keep your radar on no matter what. There was this quote from Walther, you know, the CFW uh, Walther, and, and he talks about how... Uh, what do, what does the Orthodox Church need to go to the Methodist Church to learn how to sing praises to God for? He, he his idea was that we'd only would sing Lutheran music. Uh, now we've lost that sense, but but we still have to be careful. Uh, this hymn, by the way, uh, comes from fifteen or sorry eighteen fifty eight, kind of right at the height of the Romantic movement. But I don't know anything about this Francis uh, Havergal uh, who wrote it. But uh, here, you want another stanza? Oh, go go ahead. I spent long years for thee in wilderness or weariness and woe, that an eternity of joy that might thou mightest know. I spent long years for thee, hast thou spent one for me? Oh. <laughs> so okay, let's play this law and or gospel. Uh, with this hymn, with this, well, see, it's, this yeah, this stanza. This is the thing: is that you have all, you have all this marvelous gospel. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed. That thou mightst ransom be and quicken from the dead, I gave my life for thee. That's the most beautiful gospel. But then it's all stripped away with this last uh, damning law question, what hast thou given for me? And it really, there is a sense though, and I, I don't know, maybe some listeners will have some feedback on this. There's a sense in the old old Lutheran church, you know, 50 years ago or something, that there was this kind of overwhelming, constant burden and guilt, and, and it, it would be from hymns like this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do one more quick uh, hymn here. Uh, another one he gives us is, oh, let's do 4.45 on TLH, uh, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? 
So we want to read this and ask a law and or gospel. Or we can do the praise song cruncher too. But Where was it? What Him what? 445, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Stanza 1 says, okay. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or or blush to speak his name? So there's, those are, I mean, that's a, it's a question. So, that, you know, let, let's test your theory, Pastor. Is this law or gospel? That's law. law. Questions like this are law. Law, law, law. Now, look, it's not, that doesn't make it necessarily bad. And I was reading through uh, with a handful of pastors this morning. We were studying uh, the large catechism on the first commandment, and Luther ends his discussion by saying, look, each of us should test our heart and ask, who do we cling to? Who do we trust in? What God do we have? This is, the, this is what the law does. It's a diagnostic for our own heart and our faith and our lives, and it serves that way. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to ask the 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 particularly devastating thing is when the is when the uh is when the sermon or the hymn ends with this question uh and it and and god's answer is never provided i mean the answer to our sin is the gospel the forgiveness of sins that's the answer that jesus has for us he, he constantly holds that before us uh, and we always have to end there uh, with this forgiveness and the life that Jesus has. So this hymn does, I think, I mean, there's some questions there. I haven't read the whole thing here, but at least it ends. When that illustrious day shall rise, and all thine armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. In other words, in the end, the Lord will grant us the victory through his blood and cross. Right. Now, don't look at the hymn. Now, look away. All right. Contemporary or Traditional. Uh, this got to be uh, this has got to be contemporary. Okay, now look after seventeen fifty. Oh, Isaac Watts, seventeen twenty one. Traditional. It is traditional. We're gonna maybe have to adjust our dates then. <laughs> <laughs> when you make the rules, you shouldn't get anything wrong. I well, think. that's not the first time though, is it that we run into a seven a traditional hymn that's that's uh, less than adequate? Oh no, no, of course not, of course not. I mean, goodness, for goodness sakes, Arius wrote a ton of uh, completely inadequate hymns, and when was he hanging around, uh, the, you know, the 3rd century, 4th century? So, Okay, well, thank, thank you, uh, Aaron, in Chicago for the email. Uh, sorry we didn't have a chance to look at all those. I, by the way, speaking of this hymn here, I asked my Bible class the other day, we were talking about spiritual warfare, fighting against the devil, and I said, what, what hymns do you think of when, they, uh, when I say spiritual warfare, fighting against the devil, and, they, and everyone said, uh, stand up, no, no, uh, what is it? Onward Christian Soldiers. And I said, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. And they said, stand up, stand up for Jesus. No, that's not it. I said, we need a hymn where Jesus is the one doing the fighting and beating back the devil. And then they all got it. A mighty fortress is our God. Uh, Jesus holds the field forever. Marvelous. That's great. I, a little later, if you're really nice, I can play a little uh, A Mighty Fortress in Malagasy, if you're especially nice. I'll watch. I'll watch myself. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to go then. We didn't have time for all these emails, but we're going to get one last one. We're going to go to Frank in Las Vegas, Nevada. He says, I listened with great interest to your recent broadcast in which Pastor Wolfmuller discussed the merits of relying on early manuscripts of the Bible. Pastor commented regarding Acts 8.37, maintaining that early manuscripts have merit and verses such as this need not be given too great an emphasis on doctrinal construction. Perhaps you could comment on Mark 16.16. 16. My understanding is that since many early manuscripts omit this verse, it is not given undue weight in doctrinal derivation. 
Now, for, I, for, I, I, that must have been when we were talking about um, baptism, that we were looking at that Acts 8, and that Acts 8 text is actually hardly in any ancient manuscripts. I mean, it's not in the majority text or any of the other critical. I, I, if I remember right, just off the top of my mind, I think it comes uh, just from some Latin texts, so it hardly has I- any textual manuscript as well. But in general, there are two major kind of uh, textual uh, uh, sources from which we get our modern translation of the scriptures. Now, this is going to—we we don't want to talk about this for too long. People tune out because it's, it might be uh, particularly boring to some. Oh, no, don't but, worry. Uh, People tune out anyway. <laughs> they, if they were going to tune out, it would have been 20 minutes ago. Is when we started playing music, on. then radios were off. <laughs> uh, but there's a and and look, I'm by no means an expert on this. But uh, th- there are the modern critical tra- texts like the Nestle Oland. Uh, this is the uh, and this is the basis for most modern translations. And the way they get these texts, they actually take all the all the ancient manuscripts that they can find in in Greek for, uh, for the New Testament. We're talking about here. Uh, they find the old Latin. They find the old um, all the other different uh, languages scattered all over, and they. And they grab all of these texts and they and they bring them together and they compare and contrast. So if there's a letter different here, a word different here, uh, then they're making the judgment which is um, which is the more reliable uh, text. Uh, and, and the two big texts, the, and, and the most ancient and complete text that uh, really stand as the body of most of these modern translations are the uh, Textus Vaticanus and Textus Sinaiticus. They found them. One was in the Vatican Library, and one was in some sort of monastery on Mount Sinai, and they used these texts really as the kind of backbone for the uh, for the translations. And the translations that would use these texts would be the ESV and the NIV and the NRSV uh, and the RSV, it, really any modern translation except for the New King James. The New King James and the, and the King James come from a different kind of body of of text, the majority text, or, or the uh, Textus Receptus, the received text, which is, has common usage all through the Middle Ages, uh, but there's not that many ancient copies. Now, the, uh, at the end of Mark 16, the short ending, the, the Textus Vaticanus and Textus Sinaiticus end both with a short ending. Boom. I think they're slightly different in the short endings, but they both have the short ending. The majority text has the long ending. And just and I just personally prefer the majority text. It was a it was a the church's text and it's one text. It didn't grow up in the university but in the church, and so I prefer it. And so I give a plenty of strength to the Mark sixteen uh, reading. Although I sent Evan to the library to do a little research because there's this book called Thy Strong Word by is it Gregory uh, Jackson? Yes, Gregory Jackson. Gregory Jackson. I thought it was <laughs> not Alan Jackson, the country singer, <laughs> which I thought at first. Gregory Jackson, and he has a number of pages uh, discussing Mark 16, and he points out something very interesting: is that in one of the texts, Texas Vaticanus or Sinaiticus, one or the other, uh, the short ending is at the end of the page, and at the other one, there's a a blank column left, almost as if the the person who was copying the manuscript uh, knew that there was more there. But they just didn't have it. They didn't have a copy of it, so they left it blank in case they would find it. So it seems like the to me, and and the, and the seminary actually has a facsimile uh, copy of that text, and I saw the blank column there. It's really kind of uh, uh, interesting. That's enough evidence for me to say that the loss of Mark 16 and those two major texts um, uh, show that it was a loss and not how Mark intended the gospel to end. So, I mean, that's my two cents on it. Although, like I said, I'm I'm no textual scholar by any means, but uh, there's some more information if you guys want to track that down with that book, uh, Thy Strong Word, and, and some other sources as well. 
All right. Well, you can refute Pastor Wolfmuller by going to our website and clicking on the forum button. And click That's on... just what I want is a debate about <laughs> textual. <laughs> click on show 39 and, and tell us uh, your comments or questions. So we didn't get a chance to get all to your uh, listener response. It's, it, look at this. We actually have listeners responding to our shows. Wow. Yeah, yeah, mostly they're they're writing to correct our our uh, what we've said. It's well, that's good. That's ninety percent. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that is. Well, you can also do so by calling our our voicemail system eight six six eight five one five five two three, or emailing us questions at tabletalkradio.org. We're gonna go to a quick break. Law and or gospel. When we get back. Don't go away. This is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. Did you know you can advertise on Table Talk Radio? Get the word out about your event or conference, or inform them about your product or service. Sponsors of Table Talk Radio are played on all of our affiliates and are permanently placed on our podcast at tabletalkradio.org. For more information, leave a message at 866 866- Eight five one five five two three, or email me Evan at tabletalkradio.org. That's eight six six eight five one five five two three, or Evan at tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Law and or Gospel is the game. And, hey, it's uh, my favorite. Imagine that. Wasn't the last one your favorite with the listeners? Listener response game? 200 points to every listener whose email we responded to. <laughs> yeah, we should probably tell people, you know, not not that, that we're getting so popular that we have so much you know, mail all the time to get through, but we actually haven't recorded a show for a month, so it really builds up when you, know, when you don't do Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Oh, I forgot what this thing was in my office. A micro what? <laughs> Law and or gospel. I got some good ones. for. Actually, this first one, I've been really wanting to ask you this one for a while and see what you say about it. Are you ready? I guess so. Law and or gospel. Mark eight thirty four, And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Law and or gospel. Whew. Uh, that's an interesting verse. Um, this is, by the way, the first time that the cross is mentioned by Jesus. I, I think this is an interesting point, that when you're reading through the gospel, the first time you come across the word cross is Jesus talking about his disciples. Take up your cross and follow me, before he even has a cross. Uh, in, in some sense, then, what Jesus is doing is indicating the way that he must go, uh, that he must be crucified that his path is the path that leads to the cross, uh, and that his disciples, those who are following him, will tread the same path. Uh, <laughs> I think, though, I'm reluctant to say that this text is law, because, um, uh, well, just because this call to discipleship uh I guess when Jesus calls us to discipleship, he's calling us to come and die. I think someone like Bonhoeffer said that. 
But I, I, I don't want to make it law in the sense that it's destroying us or killing us or, or condemning us of our sin. Of course, if we fail to take up our cross and follow Jesus and, and chase after rather our own glory uh, or, the, or, the, or the cushy sweet life, um, then it would, it would certainly condemn us then. Uh, but I think this text has to be, uh, it has to be a law that comes after the gospel. In other words, we would call that third use. Uh, but it's the, it's the call to follow Jesus who has laid down everything already for us so that we might follow him. There's also, though, some comfort in this verse, isn't there? That when things go tragic, I mean, when the Christian has a rough time in this life or when everything seems to be falling apart at the seams, we say, yes, this is what it means to follow Jesus. In other words, suffering, the Holy Cross, is one of the marks of the church. Uh, and when Luther gives it the eight marks of the church or seven marks, the very last one is the Holy Cross, which is uh, laid on uh, Christians by Jesus. And, of course, we receive this cross as a gift from him, uh, and it assures us that we're his children. But still, I think just the raw, nude call to discipleship would, would stand uh, as law, but maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. How's that for stepping around the question? Good enough for me. Um, you know, later, the next verse, uh, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and, and forfeit his soul? And whoever is ashamed of me and my words in, these, uh, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory with his Father and the holy angels. And uh, certainly we see uh, that last part, pure law. You know, if you're going to, you know, sell your soul so to speak you know verse 37 says for what will it uh, what will man give in exchange for his soul you know if, if you're going to you know gain you know even all the, all the riches in the world all this worldly even you know man's glory on the last day it's not going to matter a whole lot when when the father uh looks upon you and um you you've thrown away the the righteousness of Christ uh uh by the gift of faith and 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 in, in you're left to, to, to bear your sins. Yeah, that's right. Our, our advanced law gospel players can do, would do well to you know, meditate on the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, which means we fear, love, and trust in God above all things, so that the first commandment uh, is kept by faith, uh, which is how we have the gospel and the righteousness of God. And so it's, it's kind of there at the first commandment when it comes to uh, having no other gods but having the true God that, um, uh, that what's being commanded is faith in the gospel, which is really... Uh, really interesting. Law and gospel collide there in the first commandment. Of course, the all, law and gospel collide in all the best places. I mean, law and gospel also collide on the cross. I mean, that's where uh, the judgment for our sin is colliding with the love of God for sinners. Uh, uh, it, the, the cross shows us how wretched we are, um, but at the same time, it shows us how much God loves us. So it, it, it comes to us as both. So well, that's it's a, that's a that's a good verse to think about some more. I might I might have to think about it some more, and I might have a few more things next time we record. You know, well, okay. Next well, month. I'll I'll give you a hundred points now. Then later I'll give you another hundred if you come up with something else. All right. I'd like <laughs> so I'd like to put my answer on stow on stowaway. What's yeah, that thing that's called? That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, layaway. I'll layaway. Layaway. That's right. Yeah, stowaway, stowaway is a, is someone who rides a train, right? That stowaway is what we're doing on the pirate Christian radio show. <laughs> I just hope we don't get caught. <laughs> okay, I got another one for you, and it's similar to that. And this one actually comes to us um, from the lectionary, the three-year lectionary this week. So, and it is uh, Mark chapter ten. I'm going to uh, read verses thirty-nine and forty. But if you need more context, I'm happy to give it to you. And they said to him, Jesus, 
We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right hand or on my left, this is not mine to give. It is for those to whom it has been prepared. Yeah, this is where... um. This is where uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, come and ask Jesus if they can sit on his right hand and on his left when he comes into his glory. And he says, you don't, even, you don't have any idea what you're asking about. Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'll be baptized with? In other words, and can you drink the cup that I'll drink? In other words, can, are you willing to go and be crucified along with me? Um, and they say, yes, we can. And Jesus says, it's not for me to choose who will be on my right or on my left when I come into my kingdom. Uh, but you will be baptized with my baptism. In other words, you will suffer and shed your own blood uh, for your for your confession of the faith. Uh, and you you will know um, the pain of being a Christian and being in the kingdom of God. So it's a it's a marvelous kind of question. It it's a uh, I think it's it's law uh, at first, especially when Jesus is saying to Peter and John, "You guys don't know what you're asking. You you don't know what you're saying. You you're asking for the seat of of." the the seat of exaltation but the seat that i have in my kingdom are the seats of humiliation and of of suffering and, and of dying uh, that's how i accomplish my salvation uh, but then jesus says it will be given to you to be baptized with my baptism to be to drink with the same cup in other words you will suffer along with me which i think we have to again receive this kind of suffering which is our christian life to suffer under the cross comes to them as a gift uh, and so I think in this way the text is both law, law and gospel as well. Uh, the, be, because Jesus will die for them, they will be set free to die for their confession of Christ. Okay, two hundred full two hundred points for that explanation. Woo! Not bad. Okay, well we have three minutes left, and I have one more for you. Okay. Um, this is another one I'm just kind of taking out of context. So if you need more context, let me know. But it's Romans 2.11, for there is no partiality with God. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's have a little more context, huh? I mean, this is, I think, the idea here in Romans 2 is that God is mad at everybody. <laughs> so, uh, look, Jews don't do well. Greeks don't do well. No one does good. Nobody seeks after God uh, uh, the Jews who had the law didn't keep it. The Gentiles who didn't have the law judged themselves because they don't keep their own laws. Uh, and so there's no partiality with God. In other words, he freely judges everyone for their sin. Uh, is that That's the idea, huh? That's right. The next couple of verses say, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alter, um, alternately accusing or else defending them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. Isn't that interesting that the secrets of men will be judged by the gospel? Uh, that's what it says, by the gospel. On the, uh, in the great last day, the Lord will judge by the gospel of Jesus. But this, yeah, this verse is law here. There could be a little bit of gospel uh, in that Gentiles doing, uh, who don't have the law doing the things of the law written on their heart. Paul could be talking about, this is interesting, he could be talking about Gentile converts. And he could be referring to Jeremiah 31, 31, when he says, a New Testament I'll give when I write the law in their hearts, etc. Although that's, 
uh, a bit op- open for debate. But but the verse that you gave in uh, in Romans two eleven, there's no partiality with God. This basically means, look, there's no excuse. You you cannot escape judgment. Ignorance is not bliss when it comes to the things of God, even the law of God. Uh, that that the Lord has no trouble uh, with the universal condemnation of mankind because man is universally sinful. Uh, and so that's the that's the law that's being given out here. Yeah, that's right. Well, another two hundred for that one. So you're you're coming away with this uh, log gospel game with five hundred points, with one hundred on layaway. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with all these points. I spent all my points I had before uh, weeks ago. I've been without points for so long. <laughs> so the party at the Wolf Mueller house tonight, baby. Five hundred points. That's right. Okay. Well, let's go to a break, and then we're going to come back uh, talk about my screen break. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back just after this break from our sponsors. Welcome back to... Uh, what are we doing here? Oh yeah, table, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> What radio show? It's the last time you bring us in from a break. <laughs> yeah, just a couple of announcements as we get started on this. If if any of you listeners are um, uh, interested, I had the privilege of writing for the Portals of Prayer for CPH for the month of April, so you might be interested in that. And also, uh, if you guys are around Colorado around April twenty fifth, up in Lafayette, Colorado, there's going to be a lay theological conference, and the topic is baptism. Uh, and I've been invited to uh, present all all morning, so we'll have four topics: baptism. Uh, the different the modes of baptism, infant faith. We'll have baptism and the Christian life, baptism and evangelism, and all of this. And that's uh, again, that's April twenty fifth in Lafayette, uh, Colorado. And uh, if you want more information, just uh, give me an email, and I'll I'll send it off to you. So that's like a a really long table talk extra. <laughs> that's right, with no guests to break things up or make it exciting. Oh yeah, I definitely want to go to that. <laughs> Well, I do want to talk about this this trip from that I went uh, with six seminarians and, and a professor from the seminary. I uh, went to Madagascar as a as a trip sponsored by uh, LCMS Road Relief and Human Care. Uh, they they you know we we paid a little bit, but they, they laid down the the funds for this for this trip, and so uh, many thanks to LCMS Road Relief for that. Um, but it was a Mercy Expedition trip, and went to Madagascar to see how the church operates. You know, I think. You know, you know, we as Americans, we go over and we kind of think, all right, you know, let's let's see how these guys do it. But we have a lot more to learn from the Malagasy Lutheran Church than than they do from us, I think. And we'll talk about that as we get into it. Um, but, but part of this is is the the six seminarians um, that are that went are going to be raising funds for a special project uh, in Madagascar. We're going to be uh, raising money f- uh, for some cows. For we went to a a leper colony and we went to. Um, a Toby house, which is uh, basically it means house of mercy, where they they kind of have a little village for uh, those who are sick or uh, mentally ill. And so we're gonna we're gonna raise some money to get them some cows. And what they can do with the cows, you know, they can they can sell the milk, they can you know sell cheese, uh, sell the offspring. And so it's it's actually kind of a good um, way to sustain their budget, which is which is uh, 
very much in need. Uh, three quarters of the population of Madagascar live under three three dollars a day. So it's a very very poor country. And so this is this is a way for us to kind of help. And so uh, um, the six seminarians ha- have. Uh, made an agreement to do at least ten presentations in, in area churches um, to to help raise money. So if you know if if you would like us to come to your uh, your church and do a, a presentation on Madagascar, um, you can you can contact me at Evan at tabletalkradio.org, and we'll try and get uh, one of the six guys uh, out to your church if if at all possible. Now and look, it doesn't have to be Evan. You could have one of these other. Guys. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I would request if I were you. I'd, yeah, <laughs> any of the other five would be fine. Love to have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Malagasy Lutheran Church. How many? How many people are members of this church? You know, it's interesting because um, the uh, the country of Madagascar is uh, geographically about the size of of Texas. So you're from Texas. You know all about that. About about the yeah. It's big. <laughs> That's right, but the but the um, the uh, the Lutheran Church in Madagascar um, has about seven thousand congregations, and to and to compare that to the LCMS, the LCMS has at least a couple of years ago it had um, just over six thousand. So to to kind of compare that, the the Malagasy Lutheran Church is actually larger, and geographically it's about the size of of Texas. Amazing. And you mentioned to me, Evan, too, that I mean, it's it's so big and so compact that they have so many different things that they're doing to serve the community. This leper colony is amazing, but you mentioned hospitals and orphanages and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah, and that's that's what's so amazing. That that's kind of you know, one of the reasons we went to kind of witness this is that you know we in America we kind of divide this this concept of okay, the churches do their job of of proclaiming the gospel. But then when it comes to, to caring for the sick, we're going to leave that to the state. Well, they don't have that kind of division in Madagascar. So you see the Lutheran church having hospitals, blind and deaf schools, uh, the leper colony I mentioned, these, these Toby houses, um, all kinds of, of these, these works of mercy that they're going on to, to care for the people. And one thing that's kind of neat um, in, in on Sarabe, uh, where we spent most of our time in Madagascar, that the Lutheran hospital there is, is, more efficiently run than the state hospital, and they don't turn anyone away. You know, if you come to the hospital in need and you can't pay, then then they're still gonna they're still going to um, care for you, and they have some sort of a budget that they they uh, you know help cover the cost there. But they don't turn anyone away. That's great. Yeah, this is how Jesus does it. He looks and he has mercy on people, and then he acts on it. This, you know, Matt Harrison of of World Relief and Human Care outlines this in his book, Christ Have Mercy, or no. Lord have mercy. What is it? That's the book we're sending away to people uh, until we ran out of them. Uh, uh, but how the, when the Lord has compassion, it leads him to action, and you you got to see that. I mean, you got to see it in action. I can't imagine being in a leper colony. What is what in the world is that like? Well, you know, it's it's amazing because um, it 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 was in the middle of nowhere. We had to go up this little rocky road, you know, bouncing around. It took us about an hour and a half to get there. Not because it was necessarily so far away, because the road was so terrible. And it was just kind of in the middle of nowhere, literally. And so we get there, and it's like this little village, you know. And one thing that struck me about about this this leprechaun, I mean, you, there was something like only 30 people that were sick there. Um, but they all live with their families. You know, they have all their kids there living there. So there, there's over... You know, there's something like 87 kids on on this little colony, but you know, it's just because they they're living with their families, you know, because 
um, they're sort of outcasts in, in, the, in the society. But what was most fascinating about this was they really recognize um, the the holy ministry, the, the holy office. Because when we were there, they have a they have a, a church right there on on the colony, and they said, "Are you guys going to be here on on Sunday? C- can you can you bring us the Lord's Supper?" You know, speaking to our professor, and we sadly had to say, "No, no, I'm sorry, we're we're not going to be here." But but they were willing to wait. They're, they're they're wanting they're thirsting for the Lord's Supper, but they're willing to wait for someone who is called and ordained to bring it to them. Uh, they weren't going to you know gather the troops together and and, and give it them to themselves. They're willing to to wait for a pastor to to do that. So that was that was fascinating to me. But they also, in addition to the church they had there, they also had a prayer chapel. They had daily prayer all the time. So nice in the leper colony, right? And and it, it's it's hard for for pastors to to get to this leper colony to bring them the holy supper. They, you know they they do get it as as often as a pastor can make it there. But but every pastor is is um, taking care of about six churches there. Um, in fact, I met one pastor there that was taking care of 11 congregations. Oy. So, I mean, and you thought you were busy taking care of one congregation, Pastor. Oh, I know. I'm mostly just busy trying to take care of you. What... <laughs> that's what my mother used to say. <laughs> no, that's, that is a, that's amazing. It is, you know, we have it nice here in the States. Uh and a lot of places the church doesn't have it nice. It makes this pick up your cross and follow Jesus, and you will drink the cup that I drink from. These texts kind of come alive uh, when you see people in the worst kind of conditions. Uh, but but and, in the, the, the best of attitudes. I mean, no at no time when we were visiting these hospitals or the, the blind school or the leper colony, at no time were people moping around saying, oh, poor me, you know. I mean— if we were going through some of the stuff that they were, we we would, you know, be com- probably complaining the entire time. But they were, you know, cheerful, happy to see us, you know, just the the greatest spirits, you know, wonderful attitudes. It was really refreshing to go to go see. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And and then you guys were at the seminary for a while. They they must have quite a uh, a seminary. What's that like? And Professor Pless, a common uh, a common, do you can you say common? A regular guest on uh, on our show uh, was with you guys, and he was preaching about something or other, or teaching about something. That's right. Well, actually, there was a political situation while we were there, uh, some political unrest, and actually, um, it actually got a lot worse after we left. Um, after we left, actually, the week that we're recording here. The president ended up getting ousted. So, uh, but but there is some political unrest. So we couldn't make it to the to one of the destinations we tried to. So we thought we'll just spend some more time at the seminary. And Professor Pless uh, taught a class on vocation while he was there and translated there. But the seminary uh, only has I think like like three professors, uh, include, including the president, and um, they have I think like two classrooms and then some houses on campus. So it's, it's you know. They they have a, a fair amount of land, but not a lot of buildings, you know, library and stuff. Um, but they have about 500 applications to the seminary, and they are only allowed to accept 40. Can you imagine? So it, it, it's in a, it's in yeah, it's a, just a good thing you weren't in Madagascar. Oh, I know it. Be <laughs> seminary line, you'd still be uh, cow milking, right? Line yeah, or whatever. rice paddy working, uh, right? <laughs> but you know, to have that, they just don't have the space that they're 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 filled all the way up. And one of the things that struck me um, was that you know we we joined them for a chapel service, but they don't have a chapel. 
they actually just had a classroom that they worship in, and, and they're really wanting a chapel, and they actually have some plans for one, blueprints, and uh, we're hopefully going to raise enough money uh, to also build them a chapel, and so they're going to have a place to actually worship, you know. And it's amazing, the, the, the quotation, the, the, the building quote that they had um, was about $50,000 in American money. And that all they want is a, is a place to to worship, you know, a place that they can they can have regular chapel services. Um, but you know, we we throw fifty thousand dollars away like that, you know, and they just want a place to worship. So that was that was striking. But um, we're hopefully going to be able to get enough money for their chapel service uh, soon. Another thing about the seminary uh, was that we we were able to bring some textbooks, you know. Every, uh, the the primary language in Madagascar is Malagasy, and then uh, almost everyone also speaks French. But the seminarians can actually read English; they're just not you know, so good at vocalizing it. Kind of like, you know, I guess most seminarians here can read Greek, but they you know won't be able to carry a conversation. Same thing for English over there. So we brought some some English textbooks for them. But primarily, we brought a book of Concord. You know, the CPH has come out with this new paperback yeah. version of the book of Concord. So every seminarian got his own copy of the Book of Concord, which is unheard of for them. You know, they're, they're lucky oh. to have a Book of Concord. So everyone have their own is, is uh, astounding. So every, when, when we announced that, they all cheered, and we were handing them out, and they yeah. were just so that's, happy to that's get That's fantastic. Look, this is what... I mean, uh, I, I think the reason why the Lord has given us gifts, uh, in other words, money and things like this in the United States, is so that precisely so that we can help our brothers and sisters in South Africa, in, uh, in Madagascar, uh, all over the world. Who They have this burning love for the Lord and his words, and they just want to get their hands, even on the scriptures and on the catechism and the Lutheran confessions, they just don't, they just don't have this stuff available. And so, I mean, to see, to see them receive these gifts is, uh, this is really fantastic. Yeah, it really is. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for Table Talk Radio. Um, Look, hey, can, if people want to give gifts to the uh, Madagascar Church, can they do it through Table Talk Radio? Is that possible? We'll tell you what, let's do it this way. Uh, check in the forum at tabletalkradio.org in the uh, post for this show, and I will post information on how to uh, donate to this cause if you're interested. So tabletalkradio.org and click the forum button and for this, the post for this show on information if you would like to give to the uh, Malagasy Lutheran Church. That's it for us. Thanks for joining us for Table Talk Radio, and, and uh, join us again next time. It'll be different next time. I, we, we promise. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.